Hey, everybody, it's time for another crew call. This one's 4-4, and it's May 2023. We're talking with um, our old buddy Dave Owens here. If we're talking to Dave Owens, we know that it's time for us to talk about the New England RPM meet that's coming up uh, very soon, actually. So, uh, Dave, welcome back. How are you? Well, thank you, Mike. It's great to be back. I'm doing very well. Working hard. Be anywhere, Dave, at our age, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> um, this year, uh, I'm going to be attending the meet, and uh, really looking forward to it myself. It's kind of been uh, a little bit of a hiatus for me. In fact, my clinic's going to be on on what I did during my uh, you know pandemic hiatus. So um, I was taking a look at my old clinic, and uh, I'm going to do a lot of before and after, you know. Um, I think that it's going to be uh, very interesting to see the uh, you know from the last clinic and then what's what's uh, the way the way it stands now. Um, tell us about the meet as it as it stands uh, today, and and maybe you can even just start with a little bit of background and and how how we got where we are. Sure. Well, this um, I lost count, but Tom Murray, who was one of the key guys in putting the meet together put 21st annual on the top of this year's flyer. So I guess that means this is our 21st meet. Jeez. Uh, so I'm lost... not as young as I used to be. No. huh? And we, you know, we lost two thanks to the pandemic. Right. So, um, so we would have been on our 23rd, but, but uh, there were other plans. Incredible. And, and I, I, you know, I honestly don't know if I was at the first one, but boy, I was back. I was at some of the very early ones way back in the, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, you were you were an early attendee. Um, yeah, an early presenter. Um, and we 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 uh, specifically reached out to you. I know that because um, we I met. Was at the first one? I mean, geez, that that was, you know. It may be because I think we met at Jim Six's meet. That you know, I, there's a lot of people from the hobby that I've been friends with for decades that I met at that meet. It's amazing. Yeah. And that was a great meet. And that, that that meet is what inspired us to try and do ours. Were you um, thinking about doing a meet prior to that? Or was it the experience of attending it that kind of got, got you thinking about it? I had begun thinking about it and um, but but wanted to experience it to understand what it was all about. Um, so that wanted, was your wanted first. to do something. It was. And I think that was my... I want to say second or third one. I think my first one was probably Savannah and then maybe the first Cocoa Beach. I think you're right. I my The first one I went to was October 5th and 6th, 2001. That was Jim's meet. Um, well, now, now I wonder, could it have been 2000? Because there was one I went to at a hotel. And then yeah, we it was a hotel me, the first one there. Yep. Yep. And then we went to the uh, YMCA facility up in Painesville, I think, or near Painesville, closer to where Jim lived. Yeah, that sounds right. But I think the big one where, where we met everybody <laughs> was that first one in, in a hotel right in Cleveland, I think. Right south of Cleveland, not too far from, uh, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm losing my memory. Um, Berea, not too far from Berea. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know there was some spot. real fanning that, uh, that revolved around that meet too. Boy, at that time, that was like a primo, you know, Conrail, Norfolk Southern uh, rail fanning kind of territory for me. And, and it was, it was for me, it was um, an opportunity to see incredible 
railroading. Um, I, I went poking around in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. Went driving around Cleveland Hopkins Airport. And just to, I believe, to the east of the airport, there was at the time, I hope there still is, incredible automotive activity. Oh, yeah, uh, very much so. Trains moving all through the night, moving big box cars around. Yep, it, it explains why I have so many 86-foot box cars and auto racks, which I really have almost no use for on my layout now. But they're cool, aren't they? Well, I, I, I always that was that was before I kind of zeroed in on 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 what I'm doing now, and um, I tended to do a lot of rail fanning back then, and I, I ended up always modeling what I saw. Yeah, I had that same problem. And I and I was always uh, coming back with with photos of you know, multiple things that I ended up making because they were just, you know, so cool. And uh, my buddy Dave usually was with me and, and he had, you know, he was pretty good at finding all of these primo spots. And I remember there was some place in Ohio where there was, I guess it was Marion maybe where there were all these crossings. Oh, sure. And they were going through there at low speed and nobody would kick you out of there. And it was like, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. You know what I mean? You could just bang off pictures of, of, uh, of freight cars and locomotives to your, to your heart's content all day. So um, yeah, that you know, I, I'm sure Ohio is 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 still a major crossroads. I personally would probably find it considerably less interesting now, but that's just me. That's just you. <laughs> I've gone I, back in time. I know I would love it, but I'm sure. And I went to I went to college in Ohio, and uh, instead of instead of going rail fanning, I spent all my weekends drinking beer. You know, <laughs> we, do, we do waste well, man, education on the young priorities, Dave. And, yeah, you know, look at it well, this way: you get that out of your system. Yeah. Well, I, I just wish I'd gone train watching instead because oh, I, I would I would have seen such stuff. I would have seen Chessie stuff in, in West Virginia, Southern Ohio, Northern Ohio. It would have been just something else. What part of Ohio were you in school? I was in Southeast Ohio. Southeast. So like uh, Sharonville, that's that sort of area near Cincinnati? No, that's uh, that's Southwest. Southeast is Mary. I went to Marietta College, Marietta, Ohio. Ah, okay. And we and street we had street running in the west side of Marietta. Um, Coltrane came through town. Just about every day. And where was I? Not down not down there taking pictures of it. At the bar. Well, not always at the bar, but uh, I rode crew, too. I would always try and look from the boat when I heard the train, but that wasn't good for the boat. So. Right, right. Things change, you know. Interests interest wax and wane and develop and grow. And um, interesting how that Cleveland meet was so seminal in that regard for, I think, for a lot of people, actually. And we met a lot of great people. We met Chip Sim. Who has yeah. become a great friend and is just a great guy. I think a lot yeah. of people know Chip. Um, was this before you were in the Penn Central Society? Chip, that's where Chip lassoed me to join. Ah, and uh, and I got involved in that. Fran Richard, my buddy, and I got got involved in the Penn Central Society, which has been a great experience. That's a great group that does all kinds of cool where, stuff. I wonder if that's the meet where where Chip gave me a paint chip. Um, he said he had a he had a paint a Conrail paint chip for me. Uh, and, uh, when I, when I met him inside, he said, come on out to the car with me. And he hands me this cardboard box, like a flat cardboard box, all sealed up. He said, then just open it when you get home. <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah, don't open it now. Like I get home, I open it up and it's an actual mirror from a Conrail SD40-2. Oh, no kidding. A whole mirror, you know. That's great. Uh, with fresh Conrail blue paint on it. And I thought, well, I could certainly color match to this, can't I? <laughs> that's great. And that's so that was, you know, that's Chip. Um, that was a long time ago. So you guys all went to this meet 
and then you came back and everything kind of started up together and 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 um how soon after that did you do the first one well this is 2023 and so we probably did one in 2022 is or 2002 is my guess um Tom Murray is the keeper of the record, so I'll have to check with him. But right. uh, but probably 2002 or thereabouts, and uh, and the can we did it in Canton, Connecticut, mm-hmm. in the Canton Community Center, Collinsville is how everybody remembers that, Collinsville, Connecticut, and everybody loved the uh, the market down there. The uh, I I I loved that whole funky little town. I really did. I I liked the restaurants. I liked the place. I liked parking my car next to the garden and back. I yep. liked everything about it. It was just I don't know. It, it might still be my favorite venue of, of all time for a lot well, of reasons. It was a it was a great location, but we outgrew it. Yep. And we um, started working with John Sacerdoti from the Amherst Railway Society, and he helped us get a hotel the first time we were in Enfield, Connecticut, and then we we outgrew that space, and we moved to Farmington, Connecticut, and we thought we found our home. This was just prior to the pandemic. Right. The far- we were in the Farmington Marriott, and the place was was closed and sold and being redeveloped into apartments. So we um, were scrambling to find a location, and John helped us again, and we found the La Quinta in Springfield, Massachusetts, which is uh, where we are now. This is a downtown hotel, correct? What right downtown, and what? And the best thing I best thing about it is it's two blocks from the train station, mm-hmm. so people can take the train from the north from the west and once a day from the east or walk over and watch some trains or walk over and watch some trains absolutely and now does the hotel have its own parking yeah big sizable parking lot plenty of parking everyone fits um and it works well and um is it your classic like is it because i haven't been to this one remember so so this is a little unique. The um, ballroom where we have the model display is on the top floor, okay. the 12th floor of the hotel. And that was all great until we had to move the tables. That was not uh, pleasant. So right. we're, we're going we're gonna to have the table contractor handle that this year. Nice. So moving 60 tables, getting there Thursday and having to move 60 tables up to the top floor was not a lot of fun. But we, uh, and then we had to take them all down and have them ready for the contractor and, uh, and as usual with these meets, everybody lent a hand. Sure. We won't have we won't have to do that this year. So we go to the top floor. We have the ballroom up there, and that's where we set up the the bulk of the, the model display and some of the manufacturers, some of the vendors. Then we have another room, just a step down. It's still on twelfth floor where we have the vendors, and then our clinic clinic rooms are on the eleventh floor, just below, and then I believe the third floor. So there's a lot of elevator riding. I'll bet. But um. It's it's a nice hotel. the The folks there have been been terrific, and uh, and we we work to fill it up, and they appreciate that, and uh, and uh, they do a great job for us. Are there a lot of little uh, places near the hotel that people can go to for lunch and things like that, or for dinner, or is it mostly all in the hotel? There is um there are a lot of places nearby right in downtown springfield you've got uh the student prince which is a german restaurant that's a favorite among some folks mm-hmm. um and there's all kinds of places not that far away some can be walked to some just a short ride in the car mm-hmm. and that's all right nearby 
I don't know if the hotel is going to have their kitchen open. They were still sort of coming out of COVID last year. Right. Um, they may have their, they had breakfast, but I don't know if they'll have their kitchen open. They did have their bar open for us. There I go talking about drinking again. <laughs> well, we've been known to have a beer or two at some of these events. So there's nothing, certainly nothing wrong. Right. Um, we should talk about exactly when this happens because it's a little different date from last year, correct? Right, right. One of the things we do with our meat, and I and I believe everybody does this, is, is we work to keep it as inexpensive as possible. And that prompted us to move it back a week. Normally we'd be... Normally, we've been the weekend after Memorial Day. This year, we're June 16, 17. That's a Friday and a Saturday. And we did that because having it a week earlier would have had a much higher hotel rate. Interesting. So for this weekend, we have $119 room rate, and that includes breakfast. And to get that rate, people need to register off of our webpage, mm-hmm. org. And that's that's critical because a they get the best rate and b we get credit for the room night and that's very important as we calculate the cost. It's important for, for any meet, isn't it? Right. Uh, is um, how are uh, reservations going so far? We're going pretty well. Uh, the last I checked, we had about 150 room nights, so um, I'm hoping we get more. But that's pretty good because that that's our currency with the hotel room right. nights. What's a typical room night turnout, if you don't mind my asking? Roughly, at the end of the end of the whole thing, we 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 hope to get over two hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, the more the better, I think. Well, if you're at one fifty now, there's no way you won't beat that. I hope so, but you know the the numbers like I don't I never remember the numbers. Um, Tom, like, Tom Tom remembers that stuff, okay. and he's got and he's got records. I I never worry about. I'm always focused on on the clinics, on the raffle. And on the open houses, the layout open houses on Sunday. Well, Tom then, has a young, supple brain, so that makes sense. Well, he's you know he's a detail guy. He's an IT guy, so he's you know he's he's got that uh, that level of intelligence that uh, I clearly lack. Um, <laughs> but but I I and I and I and then and you know Tom and his team are the guys who who you know I mean they make the thing they make it, the event go pretty smoothly because they're just whizzes. I mean, Tom is an amazing guy to begin with. Um, yeah, handles all the IT and all of that. And, and, and he does that's his career. And I'll call him up, Tom, my computer's doing something. And, you know, I, I'll mumble in, you know, and I'm sure you deal with all this all the time in your job. So mm-hmm. you, you try to explain what your computer's doing and you're you not never explaining get it quality well. information. From you me. never get quality information. Yeah. Whatever I tell Tom, though, he figures it out. Right. I mean, he's he's a freaking wizard. There's a reason we have, we need the ability to log on to anybody's PC so we can right. see what they're doing because yes. the the descriptions just don't just don't muster you know they don't <laughs> right and so so Tom in addition to being of course you know this this wizard with technology and other things is a hell of a modeler and and he's building a layout of the Hartford line in the in Conrail and Amtrak nice. that's his interest so I digressed. I'm I got looking off. at your 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 tentative uh, clinic list here. It looks like a nice mix of old favorites and a, and a lot of new people. Yeah, there's some there's some great new people, and and there's a theme here too. I think just as you described all you did during the pandemic, um, I wasn't the only one. Well, you're not the only one. Bill Schneider is going to be talking with his layout, mm-hmm. and it's going to be open on Sunday as well. And Bill, as many folks may know, he he was originally 
he's been in the hobby for years. He was the, he was the guy, main guy at Branchline creating the incredible kits that Branchline produced. And now he's with Rapido and, and helping them make the incredible kits. They, the incredible models they make, but Bill has built his New York, Ontario and Western layout. And he has achieved in two years, what most people don't achieve in a lifetime. And it's just, well, and Bill's just a spectacular model to be, modeler to begin with. So I, I remember he, his original layout. I, I think I climbed into it a few times. Sure. And it was tiny, but it was amazing. <laughs> it was so small, but it was perfect. You look at it and, you, and you're like, okay, I feel like I'm there. I think it was the most, uh, the most layout I've ever, I've ever seen in a, in a, in a space that of all the layouts that I've seen, but you're right. I mean, modeling it goes without saying was, was excellent. Yes. And he, he put a nice addition on his house and, and, you and know, who did would it, do that and did it the right way and expanded his basement. You'd and, have uh, to be nuts <laughs> to do that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, um, so his layout's going to be there, uh, open, and and he'll be doing a clinic on all he's done, which will be really. We'll have to, he and I will have to compare some notes because uh, I'll bet we ran into a lot of a lot of uh, familiar things doing Absolutely. basically the same thing. No doubt. You know, at some point in your life, you just say, "Geez, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I got to move on this now." You know, and you, you know, Jim Hamoki, he he's another amazing modeler. Yep, and and he's he's expanded his which was already a great layout. He's expanded that and is going to talk about that. Did and he then, put an addition on too? No, he didn't. He just, he uses his space incredibly efficiently. And, and he just, it's a relatively compact space, but it's an amazing layout. So and, did he have to do some layout kabooms? I mean, I'll obviously have to go to his clinic and find out, I guess. Well, he, he expanded it in some pretty creative ways. He's just got, he's an engineer and he's yep. brilliant and, and he's an, an amazing modeler on top of that. But it's just really a spectacular layout. Hmm. Well, it looks like a, a great uh, clinic slate. And uh, how, how often do you update this? I mean, is the, do, you, do you anticipate a lot of changes or is this pretty much looking pretty? Well, like, we, tip, like we typically... We typically will have people who something will come up and they can't make it. And I've got a couple backup clinics and um, I wish I had a space where I could put more clinics on because I would, I would put everybody on, but I just can only do two at a time yep. in the space we're in. But that's uh, going to be my next question. So there's only two simultaneous clinics at a time. Correct. That's actually not a bad thing because uh, when you have too many going on at once, you always miss something you wanted to see. It for sure. sure. Make tough, tough choices. Well, in my ideal world, I would have uh, multiple more more than two clinic rooms, and I would repeat clinics. Right. So um, maybe one day. Right. I think I think we were doing that for a while at, at Cocoa Beach, but it's also I mean it's a lot on the clinicians to do multiple clinics too. Yeah, because they well, want to see know, clinics too. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, sure. But uh, it's it's you know not everybody has to repeat, but it's nice to be able to because some people. Um, they do. They do have to make choices and, and uh, miss something they wanted to attend. How, how big are the uh, are the clinic rooms? They're sizable. They're they're um, they're narrow but deep. Yeah. So capacity is not a problem, and it's the usual. Just show up with your thumb drive, and you're good to go. Exactly. We have we have laptops. We have projectors, and and uh, and, and guys to help uh, presenters plug in. Yep. Sounds like a piece of cake. 
Anything else that you want to say about uh, the the meat itself? I mean, it sounds like you know this, you've got a pretty good vendor list too. Like, let's talk about vendors. Yeah, we've got some we've got some great vendors. Um, we're going to do our white elephant table again, which has proved pretty popular. People bring uh, our limit is ten items. People bring items they want to sell, and we have guys who will staff the white elephant table and sell them, and they can cash out anytime and go go buy more stuff from other people. I, I've um, done that on on several of the past meets, and always surprised myself with what got sold. You just put it there, and then it's taken care of, and you show up, and they hand you money. It's wonderful. Kind of a nice thing. Um, <laughs> my my modular club, John runs it still, right? Yeah, John. I think he'll have some help. He does a great job. He does. And then my modular club, the Torrington Area Model Railroaders, out in the western part of Connecticut. We, a member uh, of our club died, and he left his collection to our club. So we will be selling his items, New York Central stuff. John Lang was his name. He's a great guy. Great. He had a beautiful layout. He was open for the meet uh, several years back. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be, some of the guys from the club will be selling his items. We're going to have uh, Ted Collada will be there, uh, Speed Witch. We're going to have Finero and Camerlango. We're going to have Steve Magnani, our buddy from the Hobby Gallery uh, in Wolcott, Connecticut. We're going to have Best, uh, Bollinger, Edgerly Scale Trains. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to miss somebody. We're going to have Rocket Express, Ron Van Werder, who makes resin Rock, uh, Rock Island kits. Um, in terms That's of manufacturing. That one I'm not familiar with. Sounds interesting. He, he's been at the meet. He makes, he makes really neat kits. He's a good guy. Um, Repeatable will be at the meet with Bill. And... Uh, Jason there too? I don't know. Um, I have not heard that. Um, so I don't know. But mm -hmm. we will have uh, John France will also be there. Um, and he is um, works with, with Rapido. Mm -hmm. John France. I France. I mispronounced his name. Forgive me. Teddy Diorio, Diorio will be doing a hands-on clinic again. He did this last time and it was really popular on weathering. And, and people are encouraged to bring along a car or something they want to weather does he do that, that in the uh, common area i think that didn't that isn't that what he did last time we did it in the model room oh, okay we had a table set up and um you just drop in whenever you want to whenever teddy's doing a clinic and he just you just drop in he's got the materials all you need to do is bring a model and he'll work with you on weathering it sounds great you guys really have this down don't you we try you know the goal is is to we just want people to come and have fun we want them to get jazzed and go home and build models it's right. pretty simple right um it's it's and make it's, new friends and renew old friendships and uh and all of that good stuff that's what it's all about the model room is is the place where people gather um we we don't have you know some needs have the tables high up we keep them low with chairs so that people can gather around right we want we want it to be a place where people can hang out and um, and then of course each night ends with our raffle where i'm working on that uh collecting items for the raffle and um and that sort of wraps thing last year we moved it down to the bar there i go again talking about the bar um <laughs> so i don't know if we'll do that this year because it was a lot of work but okay. um but we have a lot of items and uh manufacturers and, and retailers and all kinds of people are very generous and and we really appreciate all they do um i've already received an item from the folks at TCS. So that'll be available in the raffle. Um, nice. Yeah. So people are, are really great. Um, and, and that just helps uh, support the cost of the meat. And we're, we're drawing now from 
all over the place, right? Who who do you think will travel the farthest from from what location? Um, we have a guy uh, coming in from Germany. <laughs> yeah, that ought to do it. So I think he wins. <laughs> Although, wasn't there one meet where a guy came from Australia or something like that? Um, Maybe that was a different meet. I don't know. Might have been they, a different. Might have been a different meet. I always won the uh, farthest travel uh, contest. Well, he's kind of the ringer for that. Right. Right. Some's not fair. Right. <laughs> but we, we get guys from the mid-Atlantic states who come right. up. We get guys from northern New England. We usually get a contingent from Canada. Um, we may get some guys who come in from Ohio, western New York. I know there's guys coming from western New York. Right. Which is a haul. Might as well be Ohio. It is. It's a hike. <laughs> Very good. So the New England prototype meet in, in Springfield, Mass., June 16th and 17th. And, That's a Friday, Saturday. Yep. The website is nerpm.org. Correct. And uh and tell um and, and tell our, our IT friend he needs to get an HTTPS on it. <laughs> yes. And um, you know, it's it's forty dollars in advance the meet, which is a deal, I think. Forty-five at the door. And we actually offer a one-day admission to it. People can only make it one day, it's twenty-five bucks. Yep. And because we want to get younger, younger people into, into the hobby doing this kind of stuff, we have a student special, 17 and younger, 15 bucks. You can't beat that. No, and, and it's important to get those. It's, it's important to bring those folks into the hobby. I know when I was that age, if I'd been to some, an event like this, it would have just opened my eyes and helped me see the possibilities. And uh, I discovered that much, much later. Well, so. let's, make, let's make sure that as part of this uh, notification on the podcast Facebook group that you put something out there that has all of this info and has all of the links and makes it a nice uh, one-stop one uh, reference for people who, uh, if they're not already signed up, uh, can easily find out how to get on. Everything is on our webpage, um, all this information, and that's the place where people should make uh, a reservation for the hotel if they need a hotel room because that's how they get our rate. That's how we get credit. You right. can register on the webpage, or if you'd rather, you can send a check as well. That makes sense. Thanks, Dave. Now, what's this I hear about you joining the Amherst Railway Society? Who are well, these guys anyway? Maybe you can well, talk a little bit about who they are and what they do. Well, I've been a member, uh, but I got lassoed into being a, an officer on the board of directors. The Amherst Society, I think most people probably know it as an organization that puts on the big railroad hobby show at the Eastern States Exposition right. each January. An in intimate West affair with 20,000 of your closest friends. Yeah, it's, it's, I think at this point, it's the biggest train show in the country. Right. Over 20,000 people, four buildings, acres and acres and acres of model trains, more than 50 layouts, all kinds of vendors, um, all kinds of manufacturers. It's just it's just a tremendous show. And and that's part of what the Amherst Society does. The Amherst Society has got a neat history. It, it grew out of uh, a bunch of professors at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. were sitting around at lunch one day and started chatting and discovered they all had this common interest in model trains. And mm. it sort of began from there. And, and uh, what we know is the show began as just sort of a half a day swap meet. And. The Amherst Society owns a building in Palmer, Mass. It's an old Grange Hall where it conducts meetings. Uh, there's a layout being built in the basement. There is a garden railroad being built on on a piece of uh, on part of the property. Wow! 
And of course, the Belt Lines is a, is a modular group that is, is part of the Amherst Railway Society. And the Amherst Railway Society supports some other special interest groups, photography, history, and just tries to be an organization that promotes the hobby and, and general interest in railroads. Yep. Um, and uh, that's what it's all about. So as a member, what would be the difference between your your involvement then versus now as an officer? Well, as, as I got onto the board, I started working more closely with John Sacerdoti, who's the president and the show director of the big of the big railroad hobby show. And John is a unique guy. He is a he's re, he's sort of retired. He, he's never going to retire, <laughs> but but he just he's a he's a worker. He's always he's an idea guy. He always hit me as just one of these super competent people. He is. He he really knows what he's doing, and and if he doesn't, he figures it out. Right. And and he he get, brings people together, and says, "How can we do this?" So one of the things we've been doing, we've always done this, and we're sort of formalizing it, is helping people who suddenly find themselves with model trains, and they don't know what to do with them. And that happens a lot, as you as you can probably imagine. Sure. A, sure. a, loved, a loved one passes away. What do we do with dad's model trains? What do we do? Usually it's men, but certainly women are, are involved in the hobby as well. And we try to be a resource for that. We can we, we give advice. We tell people what they can do, what their options are. And in some cases, we'll actually help people uh, tear down a layout. And I, and I would wager to say that most layout owners, planning for that kind of eventuality is like the last thing they want to even think about. It it is, but it is something they probably should think about right. because leaving it to your kids is is maybe kind of unfair, especially if it's a significant collection. They may not have the knowledge that you have. They may not understand what's there. And something you've spent a lifetime building, something that you're incredibly proud of. Ends up in a dumpster. Yeah. God knows what happens to it. So. I think it's important for people to have to think about what what the next step is to be realistic. So you've personally been involved in in uh, a, a handful of these already. Um, just a couple, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's sometimes it's as simple as someone calls. They've got a collection of stuff they can't bear to. They don't know how to to deal with it. And we go down and we look at it and we'll, we'll do everything from tell them what we think it's worth to take it off their hands as a donation that we then sell and we'll raise some money to support the work of the Amherst Railway Society. Um, well, then most of these layouts are probably in the, you know, either half or full basement kind of scope. So what do you do with the layout itself? Well, it's we're we're working on one right now. This gentleman passed away. His wife is getting ready to move, and she needs to. She's gonna selling the house, so she got a hold of us, and we're we've been spending the last several weeks. We go on Fridays, and we've been tearing the layout down. We first we removed all the freight cars, the locomotives, the buildings, and then we started. Um, and in this case, it was a very nicely built layout. It was a very nice layout, but it was took up the whole basement. So we've been slowly disassembling it. And um, today we really made a lot of progress. We've got down to the bench work and we're disassembling the bench work and we're going to move that out. And we think a lot of the bench work will be reusable. Um, so 
again, um, reusable how and to whom? Like, how do you how do you even make the connections necessary to accomplish that? Well, one member of the club is interested in some of the bench work to use it as a base for a layout in his basement. Mm -hmm. And I, I, may, I may claim some of it, too. Yeah. Because I want to get something going in my basement. I belonged with this modular club, which is where I've done all my running. So that's that's a big case. Um, is there um, an attempt to salvage, you know, track and turnouts and things like that? If you can, this this happened to be a layout that was all ballasted and everything glued down. So so getting the track out was was very difficult. This, mm -hmm. We tried, but it came apart. It just wasn't going to happen. And a lot of it was brass track. It was an older layout, so oh, okay. yeah. there wasn't a lot of a lot of point in, in getting yeah, that. It wasn't like 100 Pico turnouts. Right. But this, this person was local in Newington, Connecticut, which is probably eight miles from my house. Sacerdote lives uh, four miles from me, if that. And uh, and we've got this group of guys for the Amherst Society who we can call on. Hey, we need help. And, and today we had five or six guys down there working and, and to help help this person. And, you know, they, they she donated everything in the in, on the layout of the club. And yeah. we'll and we'll sell that stuff. But, you know, we're providing a, a service to her and we're glad to do it. She's a very nice lady. Sure. And we've done stuff like that. And, you know, you know, and you all says you can imagine there are there are train layouts and there are train layouts. You know, there's a whole mix of people in our hobby from people who took that Tyco layout from when they were very young. Right. And, 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 you know, and sometimes I, I'll tell you one case, I a guy called us up and we, we went and uh, there was not anything really there that we wanted. But he couldn't bring himself to throw it out. So we picked it up and we, you know, we kept a few items, but we threw most of it away. So sometimes sure. it's it, it's as simple as, you know, doing what what the, the person really struggles to do. And I and I can completely appreciate that as I always try to sort of figure out what I want to keep and what I want to sell. And I, it seems I always want to keep stuff rather than get rid of it. So um but they're not all Hoosick Valleys. No, they're not all Hoosick Valleys. That's another one where the society helped. Uh, take that incredible layout down and um, was able to um, provide a check to the family for a significant amount of money to uh, because we sold the uh, items from that amazing layout. So Did any of the layout itself survive in any way or was that all pretty much dumpster fire? It was it was very difficult. Um, bench work is hard. Right. Uh, in the case of the layout we're dealing with right now, it actually we've been able to salvage a lot of it um my club in torrington we took our friend's layout um where he donated everything to the club his layout was built so incredibly well we couldn't take it apart without destroying it so um it's a mix and frankly that's something people might want to think about take take pity on the people who are going to take your layout apart Jeez, uh, that's not how i designed it <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's a hard thing for people to think about but i think it's an important thing and and um you know, friend groups are there. You know, you, your model railroad buddies can yeah, probably I, I mean, help just, you. Yeah, just thinking out loud, I think, you know, probably what I would, probably my wishes, of boy, this is a morbid topic, but I think my wishes would be, you know, my ops, friends, my regulars, yeah. you know, take what you want. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's that's a great way. And, and maybe that's something you want to, that's something people ought to talk about because, when that time comes, people may feel awkward right. uh, about bringing it up. Uh, so have you thought about the layout? And, of course, there's other people out there 
well, I'll call vultures. You know, they, they come out of the woodwork and they say all kinds of things. So it really might be a good idea for people to think about this, to formalize it to some degree, maybe to write some things down, to talk to loved ones about their plans and what they'd like to see happen. I, I'm, I'm kidding about the fact that I haven't given it any thought. I mean, no, I know it's, it's actually in, it's actually in my trust instructions for my executives, you know, what, what to do and who to contact and that kind of thing. That's, boy, that's was, great. Boy, was that a, boy, was that a grim uh, couple of weeks while we were putting all of that down in, in, uh, in writing like that, boy. You know, it's, 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 it, it, it seems grim, but, Think about because it is, but you've got to do it because the absence about, of it is much worse, like you said. And think about the service you're doing to the people who will come behind. Right. They know what they know what to do now. Right. There's no guesswork. There's no, oh geez, should we do this? You know, will dad be happy with this? You know, it, it's 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 morbid to think about, but I have a feeling a lot of people are out there are probably thinking to themselves, you know what? Those guys are right. This is something I do need to think about. How am I going to deal with this? I don't want to leave my wife. Or, or my other loved ones to have, to, or my children to have to deal with this. You know, maybe the kids are interested in it, and that's great. That's that's ideal. But uh, a it lot of times, be a heck of a project. Like in my case, we're talking about 150 sound-equipped locomotives. Yeah, yeah, know, over a thousand freight cars, and and that's just cars and locomotives. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's you know, moving all of that is a big project. Right. It's it's not it's not a one day thing. It's no. it's it's a sustained multiple day. And then when you say you sell it, how, are you putting it on eBay or how are you selling it? We we have a well, we have the big show, and and um, in the past we've had a society table that'll probably continue. We have some other events through the year at the Amherst Society Building. Yep, where we have sales. We're actually going to have a train show this fall in vernon connecticut where i work um at, at the middle school um just because train shows have sort of fallen off so we want to build something back up to and to get people in to familiarize them with the hobby to get perhaps new people into the hobby yeah some younger modelers so, th so there's multiple opportunities we are we are starting a, a an ebay page we've got a guy got a guy who who handles that and he's just in the final stages of getting our nonprofit store opened with ebay yeah so items will be posted there um but i mean it's an incredible thing to do when you think about it because you, you know you put so much work and effort and and blood sweat and tears into making all of this stuff and to have it go to waste is just criminal right so, it's tragic it's tragic yeah. and um there are so many model there are people who there. would treasure it you know so yeah and, and that's get it to them? And that's what we found with the Hoosick Valley. There were there was tremendous interest by a lot of people in having a piece of that layout. I have a I have a tank car that ran on it that I that I that I bought at the sale. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anybody else will look at it and they're like, "Oh, it's a it's a tangent tank car." Well, I I know something else about it. So, right, right. Um, when people buy the things, do they know who it came from? We yeah, this stuff was all labeled that it came from Dick Elwell's layout. Yeah, and, okay, and. Uh, and, and Dick was a well-known, amazing modeler. Yep. So, so it was. Um, there were people who really just they wanted to have one piece, or some people bought multiple pieces. Sure. 
And how, how, what happened to all the structures and, and all of that? They were they were salvaged and they were sold. Wow. And there were a lot of um, incredible. Well, he was a craftsman to begin with. But, sure. But um, and I think our buddy Scott Mason built some of the of the structures as well. And and I know Scott and Dick were were, were buddies. Um, Very close. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Dick Dick built some of those some of those incredible kits, some stuff, you know, some stuff was, he took, I mean, he was the, he was the level of model where he could take a very standard kit and make it something very special. He, mm-hmm. he was, he was, he was quite gifted as a modeler, uh, something so many of us aspire to, but do you have, those, do you have any idea of when he started, was he elite, elite starter or was he, was he one of these people, you know, like me, who's always done it. It seems like, I don't know. I don't know. I'll bet Scotty knows. Oh, I'm sure he knows. Yes. I'm sure yeah. he told me, but it's, you know, yeah. lost but, in the in the chaff. But just just as what we're talking about, Dick Dick was was ill and he he reached out to John Sacerdote and said, Listen, I want you to do this for me, being the Amherst Society. Mm-hmm. So so Dick had the had the presence to to make those arrangements ahead of time to help his family um deal with that. Yep. And uh, so that's, you know, that that's we we all we 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 off we have on our website um, information about how people can, for lack of a better term, dispose of collections. You know, you can do it on your own through eBay. Um, we offer some suggestions on that, but that's hard. You can go to to one of the people, perhaps a hobby shop or one of the people who buys used collect used collections and. And then we'll we'll sell them, and there's obviously drawbacks to that. Sure. Um, um, so and then they can go away, but there's a cost for that, right? And and then you know we we offer a service for the Amherst Society. Um, we'll we'll sell collections on consignment, or if people just want to make a donation, we'll do that as well. And depending on location, we'll come and help take the layout down if that's something people need. The thing is, as you can imagine, Mike, <clears throat> excuse me, when when it comes to this point, there's often not a lot of time. Someone has passed. That's, that seems to be the case with some of these things, right? People right. move on and, and. Well, well, you know, it could be everything from, um, you know, there's one spouse left. They need to move into a smaller, smaller home or maybe into an assisted living facility or senior housing. And the house is going to go on the market. And, and the kids, perhaps, or someone else is scrambling. To get the house ready to go on the market, and there's this massive layout in the basement, and they may mm-hmm. live far away. Right. What do I do? So that's why I, I just I can't stress it enough for folks who who to to think about that and to to come up with a plan and um, for that for that eventuality because we're all heading that way at some point. So. Um, if you talk to your friends, talk to people you trust. Um, if, if, if it's appropriate for you, talk to the Amherst Society. Right. Um, but it sounds, it sounds like the, you know, it's a very valuable, uh, I don't want to call it a service, but I guess it is in a way. I mean, it is, it is. And, 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 um, just, it's astonishing how many calls we get with these situations. That's why John Sacerdote said, we ought to. We had to sort of formalize this to try and help people because right. we get enough of these calls. We had a booth this year at the Eastern States Exposition, the big fair, in uh, September and October. And 
a lot of people asked about that. Hey, I've got this collection from when I was a kid or my dad left me this stuff. You know, in that case, it's typically Lionel. Um, I get calls all the time myself. Sure you do. You and know. I get them I get them through our club. You know, what, can, what do I do with this? And and it's nice to be able to give them an option. Um, right. So um, to help if it's, people. Uh, yeah, I mean, in the past, I, I've... Uh, you know, if it's if it's Lionel, I, I send him to Charles Rowe, and if it's anything else, I send him to AA. But yeah, it, it'd be nice to point him to you guys. I mean, this has been informative, even for me. I didn't realize just how. But those are two good options. We're not the yeah. only one out there, and right. I don't want I don't want people to think I'm trying to steer everything to us because certainly not. There are AA hobbies is a great a great resource. John Reed is a great guy, and and the guys at Charlie Rowe they they be great resources with Lionel and whatnot. So. Those are great suggestions, I think. Huh. On a happier note, Dave, what's going on with your layout? What's this I hear about you making one? Well, I belong to the club. I got four modules on the club layout. But I, I may I may grab some of this bench work and bring it home and uh, and and start building it. I've got my wife, my wife, my magnificent wife, when we bought our, our the house we're in, she bought a ranch, she she looked for ranch houses. Because she knew, well, they have big basements, which are ideal sure. for model train layouts. Because that's how I, I married very well. Anybody, <laughs> anybody, anybody who's met my wife knows that. And my wife will be at the meet um, helping with registration. So oh, nice. And she'll probably mock me to anybody who asks. So I think the last time I saw your wife, she had brought, she had brought to the meet your infant daughter. Well, my we just picked up my infant daughter from finishing her sophomore year of college today. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now from what i understand though your basement has uh, a significant problem it does we, we shouldn't talk about that <laughs> we've got to talk about it dave this is how you say you get beyond your problems i know I <laughs> you have, have like stuff. a little dave owens hobby shop down there I, I i have too much stuff i have too much stuff and uh every time i want to get rid of stuff i go oh i really like that so <laughs> I, I really i really got to buckle down and and focus you know it's funny jim homoki was going up to boston and he, and he uh with his family and he stopped by and he and he brought his wife down into my basement and i figured out later he was just trying to show her my basement so she'd get off his back <laughs> so his looked a lot better <laughs> so his looked a lot better <laughs> i told i told you jim's a smart guy <laughs> right <laughs> so i do have way too much stuff and um, so but it part you know anytime you have way too much stuff and you know i'm just as guilty as anybody else in my opinion, it's because you haven't yet decided what exactly to do. And you're exactly right. Because when I when I finally did get to that point, and it took way longer than I, I ever thought it would, um, I've been steadily selling ever since. Like multiple times per year, I'll, I'll do a big purge. And I'm always amazed at the interest in it. And the stuff just sells for the most part. And... Um, and I've been selling and selling and selling and selling. And sometimes it feels like it hasn't made a dent. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I need I need to get myself in gear and uh, and start getting rid of stuff. And uh, That's not the know, order of business day. The order maybe of business I'll, is to make a decision as to what you're actually modeling, which drives what you need, which makes the stuff that doesn't fit that surplus. Well, I'm going to have to work on that, too. I mean, <laughs> my problem is I like too much. I grew up. I grew up along the Reading Railroad, right? Just up, just outside of Philadelphia, and not too far away was the Trenton cutoff of the Penn Central at that point when I was a kid. But 
the old Pennsylvania. I'll bet you'll be at Tom Jacobs Clinic. Oh yeah, Tom's Tom's yeah. Tom and I shared that reading that reading thing. And then you may you may uh, recall the amazing layout that was in Great Model Railroads from Ron Hess, who has yes. been, been presented at our meet. And Ron's layout is the Chestnut Hill branch of the Pennsylvania Railroad. Well, that's the that's a branch that came very close to where I grew up, and I always knew it as a commuter branch. And then when I I started learning from Ron on what an a what an interesting really short piece of railroad it was with incredible heavy industry the bud company a big steel mill wow um it, it's just a real neat and, and ron and ron and i grew up in the same hometown in fact ron's sister was my german teacher in high school we figured that out with the meet one year and now, is, uh, is ron related to ralph at all uh different different uh spelling different okay h-o-e-s-s -S is ron ah okay. ralph is ralph is heiss h-e-i-s-s okay us Germans, you know, we got to focus on that. Right, right. Those spellings. But um, Ron is, and Ron have, did, a, did a clinic. People may, if they've been to the meet, they may recall Ron did a layout or a, a clinic on row houses, Philadelphia row houses. I, I think I saw that one. And it's it was a great clinic. And his layout is just, it's spectacular. Um, we When we went to the Malvern meet, we went to see Ron's layout. Um, does he have catenary on it? He does. But on the Chesson Hill branch, it's unique catenary. It's it's a pole. It's almost like trolley. Um, okay. Yeah. Trolley wires, um, which which I don't think he's unhappy about. But uh, it's a very it's a it's a different kind of catenary. But it is the commuter trains are electrified. You know, MUs ran out to Chesson Hill, and then uh, now then Silver Liners, um, and now the new new Silver Liners. Is he were, is he modeling like Does he have running MUs on his layout? Yes, MP fifty four. Who makes those? <laughs> MP fifty fours were put came out from Concord, Pennsylvania Railroad MP fifty fours, the classic Pennsylvania wow. Railroad commuter car, and they were nice models. Mm -hmm. So he runs those, um, and of course, um, there's some other catenary layouts that are that are pretty amazing. I, um, I seem to recall you you talking to me about one that was just like catenary everywhere, and it was more like the you know northeast car or heavy duty stuff. Yeah. Um, I can't remember it, who that was. That is a layout in New Jersey. Yeah. And, and I can't believe his didn't name he just, bring, Didn't he bring a module of it or something? He, he brought a segment of catenary. Um, right, right. His his layout was in Great Model Railroads. You, you could pluck it like a like a banjo. The wire. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And <laughs> I can't believe his, his name just leaped out of my head. Oh, I, I, can, I'm, I can picture his face. I can't think I'm of his name either. But it's a beautiful layout, and um, the catenary is amazing. And yeah. uh, that's what that's what. Uh, so I have a catenary problem too. Um, that that's what re re sort of reignited my love of GG ones. When I was in high school, the last vestiges of GG ones were running for New Jersey Transit, and we'd go to my high school would have. I was on the track team. We'd go to track meets at Bristol High School in Bristol, Pennsylvania, and with the stadium and the track were right next to the Northeast Corridor, and. I'd be sitting back on the bleachers, missing events, watching GG1s go flying by. <laughs> and they were flying, weren't they? Oh, they were. And and it was just a, a great, I don't know. It's a good thing I didn't live there because I probably never would have paid attention to class. So what else do you like? Or is this too long a list to even begin to review? Well, my interest is the Reading, the Pennsylvania, Penn Central, the anthracite roads in general, and how can you not like Conrail? Right. 
how about and, ear, how about era wise though this uh, you can't do all of that i know and that's my problem i have too too wide an era you know i've got steam and i've got uh sd 70 acus from norfolk southern because i went to we went to altoona and i saw one so <laughs> you don't have problem so see that sounds like me well i didn't have steam but i mean it sounds like me pre uh pre getting my head together on it so my advice for what it's worth is head first <laughs> Make the decision, make sure you're happy with it, and then and then run with it. Absolutely. And because anything you zero in on, the minute you do, and the minute you just dive into it, my prediction, because you haven't had this experience yet, is that it's going to be way more interesting than you ever suspected it would be. Oh, I have no doubt. And and my buddy Fran has been urging me forever. Hey, he said, just start small. Just just build something eight feet long and three feet wide and just start working on that and then you can add to it and he's right and it just other things you know well, so i think a lot i think a very human thing is to um i don't know how to get started you know that that kind of thing you know yeah um i'm built a little differently i'm 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 from the we got to move on this now school of thought you know and and because of that um that that's probably would cause me to have to do so many rebuilds because i would get going and i'd build something and operate it and go yeah that's not that's not it and I'd think about it some more and go visit some other layouts and and you know travel around rail fanning a little bit and then i get another idea and go ah that's the direction i want to go in i mean i probably did that three or four times you know sure um, before i finally zeroed in on by just by chance you know what has now become you know, my 1800 square feet of, of, of layout. Right. And and, you got to start know, somewhere. So that, so just to, just to close the loop, you know, my, my clinic will be about not only, you know, what I did uh, during the co during the, uh, the pandemic, but, but how, how, how it surprised me in multiple ways and how operating it now has exceeded anything I could have imagined prior to that. I think mostly by, by luck. <laughs> I don't know. That's great. But that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Yeah, it'll be a story, I guess. Uh, I did want to give my uh, my Dartmouth Locomotive Works update uh, here. It's uh, it, That's been an ongoing saga, too. And, and you know, for, for many of the podcasts in the past, I was basically telling people, yeah, hold on to your locos right now. I just can't get product. Well, it seems like the product shortages for mainly with the on the looks on end of it have eased up considerably. Uh, and I'm now able to get uh, you know, my get my decoders in quantity. So I'm I'm cranking out uh, you know, multiple unit installs, mostly for past customers. You know, it seems like sure. they just keep coming up with more more locos they want done. Uh, and every once in a while, you know, they'll send me a friend of theirs or or, or whatever. It's not like I not like I advertise, but um, the only thing different is you know the cost of it's gone up. But then you know what hasn't, right? Unfortunately, inflation so, has has uh, driven costs up. Anybody that's thinking about it, uh, feel free to contact me because the the, uh, the product is there, and uh, and so is the will. Well, that's important. Absolutely. Well, you know, that's it too. You know, sometimes you, I don't know. I mean, I'm still doing the IT thing. I'm 67. I'm, I'm planning on working until I'm 70. 
for a variety of reasons. And, and uh, we'll see if, you know, the IT world uh, cooperates with that. But but a guy like you, just like John Sacerdote, is always going to have work because people are going to want someone they know they can count on. So you I, you may try to retire, but I don't. Well, I would look like at that. it this way. I mean, that's not a bad point, actually. But um, I I think that uh, what would change probably is the ratio of that to other things. You know, um, if the IT thing ramped down to maybe be I don't know a third of my time or something like that, I could I could do that indefinitely as long as the noggin holds out. You know, sure. Um, it's just that in the last three years, it has ramped up so exponentially that you, mean, you can't walk away from it. This is like, okay, let's get our retirement lined up properly here. Yeah, you got to make hay while the sun shines. But then, you know, I've got my got my little micros hobby side business, and I'm building this gigantic layout. And, you know, I've got multiple grandchildren, and you, you know what I mean? I could go on and on. So I'm not bored. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. So you got you got a lot. You got to live a long time. Exactly. That is the plan. So Keep taking your walks and riding your bike. Took my walk today, even with my uh, even with my complaining uh, Achilles tendon. I don't know if that was the smart thing or not, but we'll find out tomorrow. Ibuprofen is your friend. I'm going. I already have three of them in me tonight, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going up to Confalones tomorrow to uh, to operate all all day. So we're gonna wear the comfy shoes tomorrow. Oh, good. Well, there's a there's another amazing modeler, and I'm sure you'll have some. Uh, you'll be in the company some others. Neil Schofield. He'll be there. Yep. Another uh, just breathtakingly amazing modeler. And I think Steve Carlson will be there too. Do you oh, know that's yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Now we've got we've got a nice a nice group, and uh, Steve Steve's going to open his layout for the meet as well. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Good guy. There's it's some... you know there's there's no jerks in this hobby. Well, there's probably a couple, but but there's just uh, that that's one of the, and, you know you brought that up before. One of the great things about the meet is the people we've gotten to know, right? And the opportunity to get to see them. And and we go to other meets because our our, our my group of buddies we go to other meets because they're fun, and we love to go to meets where we don't have to do any work. Sure. And and uh, it's good to see everybody. I mean, we went out to uh, the Western Pennsylvania meet couple uh back in march i had a ball you know just all it was just it was just fun to see everybody i love going to that part of the country i love going to uh that great hobby shop in jeanette and uh just getting to that part of the country i i had a period like that basically i guess it must have been um i don't know maybe mid 90s to early 2000s where i was a nomad you know and i was going everywhere and you know, post divorce. <laughs> yeah, and what, what? And you know, and each meat has a local flavor. And Mike Needzelkowski, who owns that hobby shop in Jeanette, did a clinic on the industry of Jeanette. And Jeanette was a center of glass manufacturing. Ah. It was it was standing room only, and it was a great clinic. And lot, and it was a lot of sand hoppers, lot of sand covered hoppers. Yeah, but but yeah, also Mike Mike just brought that you know that local flavor. He had you know he's he's a he's he's a funny guy. But he, and he's got this encyclopedic knowledge of his community. He's proud of his community. And, uh, you know, his he had relatives who worked in these plants. And he just brought all of that together. And it was it was a great program on on uh, on just what a, what how much industry there was in in um, in Jeanette and how the Pennsylvania Railroad and then Penn Central had multiple crews on duty around the clock just to handle the switching at all the different places. 
Well, I, I have to say that every meet that I've ever been to, there's always one pleasant surprise for me in terms of the clinic that I went to or the person that I met that I didn't know. And it's it's worth going just for that. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been I've, I've gotten fairly tight with Jerry Schaefer just based on one clinic of, of his that I went to that I thought, geez, this guy's good. And I went up and talked to him after the meet. And next thing you know, here we are. You know, he's not, he's not good. He's amazing. Yeah. no, I just, you know, And the hobby's full of really talented people, you know, who, so. who really talented people who could not be more willing to share what they've learned with others right. and to help and to help them come along. And, you know, if you if you're smart, you realize that when you're sharing, you're also getting back more than you give. Usually. Sure. I always learn. I mean, I got a lot to learn. I'm a dumb guy. I got a lot to learn. <laughs> And and uh, that's why I love going to meets. I, you know, you, it's funny you bring up. Um, there's always some some treasure you find. We went to the Malvern meet uh, last year, and I grew up along the Reading uh, the Reading Railroad's Bethlehem branch, which was it's uh, it's a commuter area, but the branch was built to haul iron ore to Bethlehem Steel in Bethlehem, okay. Pennsylvania, from the port of Philadelphia, and along, and of course, you know. They, it wasn't so much coal coming down that line, but but there was a place where, as a kid, when I had my first layout, my mom bought the lumber and a piece of homeless oat to slide under my bed because we lived in a ranch house with no basement. <laughs> and she bought it at Glenside Lumber in Glenside, Pennsylvania, which is right near where I grew up in Orland, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And there were coal silos at Glenside Lumber. Glenside, it was Glenside Lumber and Coal, you know, one of those multi- sure. Back in the 50s, um, they probably sure. handled a lot of coal. Sure. And I was always, I remember looking at those when I was a kid and not really understanding what they were. And then as I learned more, just going, oh, that was a coal deal. Oh, and of course, it was all gone when I wanted to go take pictures of it years later. So we go to the Malvern meet. A guy has built a model of Glenside lumber and coal. Wow. And, and he's and he's got all these photographs. It. And it was that was one of those eureka moments for me at the Malvern meet, seeing this incredible model. Of the way a you place. were describing it, I was thinking, Dave should model that. Yeah, I know. Well, this guy beat me to it, but uh, I took lots of pictures. It's okay. I'm, it's okay to have you know multiple models of the same thing. You know, Dave, it's pretty hard to find something that nobody hasn't already modeled. It is, you know, and it's funny. the 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 Reading the Bethlehem branch of the Reading is it's got everything I'm interested in. It's got catenary. Because there's a commuter district out to Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Um, it's got the heavy freight trains. It's got the ore trains going up to Bethlehem Steel occasionally with C630s and and uh, all kinds of good stuff hauling them. They're <clears> telling <throat> me here. I mean, I, I, I'm not then, seeing a problem with this. And, and then there was a place in my hometown called Tank Car Corporation of America where they sure. used to where they used to repair tank cars and and uh, and of course it's a super fun site now. But, of course. Um, we used to ride our bikes down there to just and the Reading would come in and switch switch the facility a couple times a week, bring tank new tank cars in for service, take the ones that have been serviced out back to Rutherford Yard near Norristown. What a nice and, uh, what a nice industry to model. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, you know, I think about all these things like I love the middle division. I love the Pittsburgh division. But maybe maybe it's the Bethlehem branch I need to uh Listen, you, you, you sold me, you know, there, there was a, I was posting some pictures on the podcast group of, uh, of what's going to be Monroe and where there's a nice grain facility there, you know, and, um, 
there's like a couple of people on the group that are like really interested in the, the TMSL and, and, you know, the loco that, that uh, I, I have, you know, that, that represents their, their sole piece of, of motive power and come to find out this guy's going to build that facility also. And he had great pictures that he shared with me and he's going to build it and I'm going to build it. And I couldn't, you know, I'm, I'm fine with, you know, it's not a competition, but, I'm, no. you know, it's it's kind of like a fun thing to do it and somebody else is doing it and you'll see both of our efforts on, on the group at some point, you know, so I assume you took pictures of this guy's module, right? Oh, heck yes. Yeah. Well, I rest my case, Your Honor. I think we've got uh, we've got a plan here. We're closing in on something. I think so. I think so. When I uh, when I see it next month, I'm gonna first thing. How am I? How am I gonna work New York uh, New York uh, Harbor tugboats into that though? That's my problem. <laughs> you go visit that at, uh, <laughs> somebody else's layout. Who who does that? Uh, oh, I can't think of the guy's name now. Uh, oh, Vince Lee. Vince Lee does the Erie, and and uh, Dave Ramos had Dave that. Ramos. Thank you. Yeah. That's who I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you can't model, you go visit. You know, sure. I mean, I know that layouts exist that, that uh, model the winter, aka Confalones. I don't do it, but I can go visit it. There you go. Maybe that's the way I should look at it. Keep thinking about it, Dave, but not too long. I know, getting old. All right. Well, it's the New England prototype meet. We're going to have the information up on the podcast group, and hopefully, we'll see some of you folks there. Highly recommend it. And if you have any questions, reach out. My email address is on the webpage. Excellent. Thanks, Dave. We'll see you Thanks. next month. Thank you, Mike.